Talk Show by Perfectly Spoken with your host, Natalie Gommen. Hello and welcome to today's talk show. Today we have a special edition. We are going to have a look at the seven guests that we've talked to on this uh, fantastic Perfectly Spoken show. So um, we've got lots of people and I'm going to ask some questions. So if you're on Facebook and you want to answer the questions, please just write in the comments box. Okay, so I'm hoping everything is okay and we can start. And our first guest we're going to look at is um, David DeJager. Now he is the creator of perfectly spoken so let's have a little look at part of the interview with him and i want you to think about why did he start perfectly spoken let's take it away okay good all right well let's get on to the interview now so um as i said at the beginning you are the big boss of perfectly <laughs> spoken so can you just tell us briefly how why did the perfectly spoken thing come into creation why did it come into creation well natalie i have been teaching english as a as a foreign language for far too many years uh, probably about about 30 i think and i've always loved teaching and i still love teaching um but you know there was the opportunity i think has only recently arrived when we have the technology and we have wonderful teachers who are able to record to make lessons that we can then share with students all around the world and that's what we do and i'm very proud that we do that and i'm really really grateful to all the wonderful students that we have who who participate and who hopefully learn lots of English with us. So thank you for joining us today. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right, so it was great to see David speaking there. So as you heard, he's, he uh, created Perfectly Spoken because he was, um, he had been teaching English for 30 years. That's a long time. And he was happy to use the technology to help uh, share his experience with students from all over the world. And I think uh, I can say for myself as well, it's, it's uh, as a teacher, it's very nice to have students from lots of different places. Okay, so now we're going to go on to our next guest that we interviewed, which was Catherine Sherry. Now she speaks five different languages. And in this excerpt, she is talking about um, how she gets language into everyday life, which is very important when you're learning a language, uh, that you live the language that is part of your life. It's not like a subject you can study apart. It becomes part of your everyday. So listen to Catherine and what does she say or what does she do to help make these languages part of her everyday life? Let's have a look now. And we have another question here, which is how do you manage to practice them every day? 
Yeah, I, um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm maybe a little bit obsessive with languages. I wake up, um, the first thing I do in the morning when I wake up is I listen to the radio in, in one language or another. Mm. Um, it's, as I say again, it's so easy nowadays with, with the internet. Um, I wake up and with my coffee in the morning, um, one day I listen to the French news, another day I listen to the Portuguese news. Um, I think listening and reading um, is is mm-hmm. such an excellent way of uh, keeping abreast of of the languages that you that you want to learn. Okay, um, I do that just you know, or if I'm walking into town um, and it's going to take me half an hour, and uh, I put a podcast on and my headphones and listen to mm. something. I just want to say one thing. One uh, one of our viewers has put in the chat that age is an important factor when learning a language. Do you agree with that? Okay, so it was it was lovely to hear and see Catherine talking. So yes, as some of you have written in. Um, Catherine, yeah, she listens to the radio every day in a different language. And I think that is very, very good advice. That if you are learning a language, listen to it every day because your brain does work for you. Our brains are programmed to learn languages, but they need a lot of food. Right. So it's very, 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 very important. Okay. So that was good advice from uh, Catherine there. Right now, let's look at our third guest, which was Debbie Jones. I had a fantastic time interviewing her. She was uh, talking from her shop, which is a delicatessen. And in this, um, in this excerpt, she talks about some of the things that she bakes in the mornings and she talks about a shop called a greengrocers. Now, do you know what a greengrocers sells? Let's have a look at this clip and enjoy it. And and I've heard Debbie that you bake cakes as well and sell them. Is that true? I bake cakes. I bake, um, I also bake a lot of savory things. So I make sausage rolls every morning. I make quiches every day. Um, and we do um, also make lots of fresh soup with lots of vegetables. And I don't know if you can just see over my shoulder. Oh, there's people walking past the shop. Line. <laughs> but there's a, there's a shop. I'm moving the wrong way. There's a shop with a green front. I'm going to move that way. Uh, yes, I that can see actually, behind the car. Behind the car, that is a traditional greengrocer's, and it's a, a really good greengrocer's. So in the town, we have a greengrocer, uh, two bakers, three butchers, um, Me. And, and in the, and the town is only how many thousand people in Colford? There's about eight thousand people in the town, so it's only a small town. Mm-hmm. And I know in different places, like in Spain and France and Italy, that is the normal way of life but in the united kingdom it's very different it's usually all the town centers look the same with the same shops so we're really lucky here so when i go to make anything all i have to do is run across the road for my ingredients just really good. <laughs> okay so 
that was really great to see Debbie there. And yeah, she was talking about a greengrocer's. Now, a greengrocer sells fruit and vegetables. And in fact, when I was a child growing up in South London, um, we had a local greengrocer's. But unfortunately, what's happened now, most people buy their fruit and vegetables in a big supermarket. So we don't have as many greengrocers as we used to. So the word greengrocer isn't used as often as it used to be. So that's a pity. Um, but anyway, it was good to hear Debbie talking. And well, our next guest, we were very lucky. We talked to Thomas Elwin, which is, he is an opera singer. And not only did he tell us his interesting story about how he became an opera singer, perhaps not the most typical um, way to become an opera singer, I don't know. <laughs> I was surprised by his story. And also at the end of the clip, he sings a song. So my question for you is, what is the song about? Because he does tell us in the clip. So let's have a listen to Thomas telling us his story. Take it away. Right, so now on to uh, your profession. So you're an opera singer. Now, how, how did you decide or when did you decide to become an opera singer? Um, well, uh, I sang as a child. Um, mm -hmm. I sang in a, a, a cathedral choir, so a, a church choir in London, mm -hmm. um, and always sang before that as well, and then through school up to university, and I, I kept on singing in choirs, um, and then I, I became a professional choral singer, oh, which yeah. happens, it can happen in the UK quite a lot, um, and then somebody said, oh, come and sing an opera, and I thought, I've never heard of opera, but I don't, I'm not really interested. Um, but I thought I might as well, I'll give it a go. And that, mm -hmm. it, it really suited my temperament and my, my voice, um, and much more so than singing in choirs. So I just thought, oh, that's interesting. But how, um, how, how old were you? This is from um, an opera I was just touring. Uh, we had to cancel the tour, but it's, it's from Mozart's Così Fan Tutti, and uh, the character sings about his love for his um, girlfriend. Una amorosa del nostro tesoro, dolce ristoro, ai cuori porgerà. Oh, thank you. I'm going to applaud. <laughs> I hope you. you're all applauding. Okay, so that was fantastic. And yes, well done if you wrote the correct answer. Uh, Thomas was in fact singing a song which was about the love for uh, the character's girlfriend. Um, so we were very lucky to have that. Now our next guest, fantastic. I had such a good time interviewing. This was John Russell from Scotland. Um, he has an, a really nice, rich Scottish accent. So if you don't 
if you're not familiar with different accents that we have in the UK, it's very good practice to try to distinguish the accents. Okay, so have a look here. And he, he talks about two very uh, typical Scottish things. One is the kilt, which is uh, an item of clothing men wear. And he also talks about a type of food called haggis. Now, my question is to you, what are the ingredients of haggis? And was I impressed with these ingredients? Let's have a look now at what he says. I could probably give you a couple of um, Scottish traditions, one, one being um, a food type and the other being a dress type. Um, I've actually brought a little example of the dress type with me to show everyone. Mm -hmm. um, the first one being is, is haggis. So haggis mm -hmm. is a tradition, it's a traditional Scottish dish. And mm -hmm. um, not to sound too disgusting when I describe this, it is uh, encased as a meat-based food, encased in animal stomach with um, a sheep's heart, liver, and lungs, with a little bit of onion and some wait, oatmeal. Wait. Hang on a minute. Hang on. So we've yeah. got sheep's stomach. Yeah. Yeah. And then you said lungs. Lungs. Yes. Like. Yeah, like your your lungs. lungs. Um, some heart and liver. Yeah, all all mixed together and refined with onion and oatmeal mm -hmm. and you can eat this at any point in time of the year um, some folk like it at new year and other times we eat it to celebrate robert burns the famous scottish poet mm -hmm. so on burns day if you enjoy it you can eat it it's not for everyone um, there is a vegetarian option so that that is there so that that's one thing um, and the other is um, when I mentioned the, the dress, I was referring to a kilt. And I have my kilt here. Oh, I was going to wear it, but it's a little cosy at the moment. So um, this is a, a traditional um, kilt here. This is actually my family tartan. So it's the Russell family tartan. Um, so can you, can you just explain? That's the, the tartan is the design of the check on the material. Correct, yeah, of nice. the material, yeah. And it's attributed to my family's clan. So the Russell clan has roots in Scotland going back to the 12th century. Wow. Um, that was when our name was first recorded in Scotland, was in the 12th century. So, and, and a clan is it's just a kinship or a, a family group that then mm -hmm. grows and, and now we have uh, the Russell name has roots throughout the world in, in Europe and, and America. Um, not all Scottish people do have a clan though, um, but I'm fortunate enough to be in one. And when I married um, my wife, I wore this. My dad bought me that um, and I keep it, keep it good and wear it only at weddings. And the other okay. thing I was going to show you was the sporran, which goes uh -huh. with it. And it is made of either fur or leather. In this case, I think it's actually full fur. Um, and so fur. So what? What? 
Okay, so thank you very much to John Russell for sharing that with us. And um, I hope you got the answers right. What are the ingredients of haggis? Um, I have to admit, I have never eaten haggis myself. I have eaten the vegetarian version, which I don't know what the ingredients are, but the meat version, which is the most common version, is sheep's stomach, sheep's heart, sheep's liver, and sheep's lungs. Lungs. I mean, I didn't even know. I didn't even know lungs were edible. Anyway, so yeah, not one of my favorite dishes, um, but obviously well liked in Scotland. Okay, so our next guest um, was Luke Trigona, a lawyer who lives and works in London and who is from Malta. So he talks about um, the challenging thing he found with the language. So what was it? When he moved to the UK, what did he find challenging? Let's have a look now and listen to what he says. Okay, so you're in Malta, you go to Bristol, so from Malta to Bristol was already a change. What was it like? What did you find easy, difficult, challenging? Yeah, Malta is bilingual. So we speak Maltese in, in Malta, which is dialect of Arabic. And we also speak um, English. Um, however, the, the biggest challenge for me personally was, um, I guess, sort of improving my English and making sure it's a standard that, that it needs to be in order to sort of attend university and, and read for a law degree. I think on a more personal level as well, um, my first friends were from Cornwall, and I, I'm not generalizing or anything like that, but um, they were incredibly sarcastic, and I didn't get any sarcasm oh, really? at all. So they would, they would say something, and, and I'd be like, oh, do you really mean that? Uh, I had to sort of um, double take every time they sort of, I had to really think about it. Um, so no, I think I, I would definitely say sort of just making sure, so sort of improving my English and um, making sure so that, that that sort of is necessary in, in order to um, read for, for law in the UK. Yeah, yeah, because reading. Okay, so yeah, as Luke was saying there, um, he said that what he found the most difficult was in fact not the language, but people's sarcasm, not being able to read if someone's being sarcastic or not. And in fact, sarcasm is a great part of British humour. And it's sometimes very difficult to read because it's all about intonation. You know, if I say, oh, nice dress, or if I say, oh, nice dress, you know, the first one means, yes, I like your dress. And the second one means, I hate your dress but the words are the same. So it's quite difficult one to get. So that was good of Luke to share that story with us. Okay, and our final um, guest um, that we're going to look at today was uh, Gabriel Spilt, and he's a Canadian entrepreneur. And he, it was a very, very interesting interview. He gave lots of advice for, for starting businesses and attitudes and, you know, um, how to handle failure and successes. And he talks in this excerpt, he talks a little, a little bit about competitors and competition. What does he say about that? Let's have a look at the interview. 
Yeah. I so, feel I feel like there are a lot of wise words here. I'm I'm going to try and do summary in a minute. So I've got lots of lovely things, but we have more questions. Okay. So okay. Uh, yes, you've got more questions. Okay. Um, okay. Right. Natia asks, does making a fortune depend on luck or hard work? I don't know yet. <laughs> but no, um, does it depend on luck or hard work? I like to believe in life. You make your own luck. Hmm. You are your own lottery ticket. I think you will, the energy you put out there, if you love what you do and money is not the most important thing in the world, you will make money. It's, it will happen. It will happen. Um, for a long time, we didn't make anything and that was okay. We were really happy when we got a new Facebook follower or when we got, you know, a, a small sale that just kept us going. So I think you have to also redefine your expectation of fortune for a lot of people a fortune is making ten thousand dollars you know in profit over a year which is great for a lot other people a fortune is a million dollars so i think it's really relative and it's really really important to 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 keep your own perspective on things stop looking at other people don't be envious if another competitor does well you know what learn from them see what they did right um try to do it better but you know wasting time i can look at other companies in my field and say they're in so many stores more than i am they're making so much more money but it, it's self-destructive and it's pointless and you learn to actually be happy for people so so keep it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a process. It's all one big learning process and an, an incredible adventure. Hmm. Okay. I like that idea. of So that was great from Gabriel. He was sharing some insights. And yeah, what does he say about competitors and competition? Uh, he said a nice thing, you know, to be happy about people's success and to try and learn from other people's success. So I think that was um, a very good message. If any of you out there are entrepreneurs now or are future entrepreneurs, um, that would be uh, really nice. Now, I'm just going to see if, um, if I have any questions here. Okay, so... Um, just i i want to do two things now i want to say thank you to all the people watching i know we have students from all over the world georgia italia algeria argentina iraq palestine colombia afghanistan kurdistan myanmar ecuador okay and i have a guest here uh, sorry a question here which is who was your favorite guest now um I am going to say that I didn't have a favorite because I genuinely enjoy interviewing everybody. I know, you know, that's, uh, it's, it sounds like it's not true, but it is true. I really, really, every guest, and in fact, you know, I always have a meeting with the guest first in the week to talk about 
the show, but we never rehearse. So it's always a surprise. It's always fresh and I always learn something new. So that's really nice. Um, and another question was, who would you like to interview in the future? Do you know, I would actually like to interview some of the students from our Perfectly Spoken platform um, because I think that would be really interesting because we have guests from all over the world um, and we have students from all over the world. So if any of you are interested, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I think it would be a really, really nice experience to, to find out something about you lot okay and I re and last week I interviewed Stephanie and that was a really nice experience for me too so I feel very privileged and thankful and the second thing I'd like to say before I end this talk show today is I would like to say a big thank you to Chella who is kind of a bit invisible sometimes but she is the person behind all the technology that goes on on Perfectly Spoken. So she's here, you know, she is the one that put together all the excerpts. She's always somewhere behind the scenes, making sure everything goes smoothly. So Chella, I would like to say thankful, thank you to you. And maybe one day we could interview you. Maybe that's an idea. <laughs> okay, so thank you very much today for everybody who's watched watched and I hope you found it useful and informative and that you have learned something new and next week we will be back with another special edition of the talk show so um, please join us same time next week so thank you very much everybody take care and have a good evening and a good weekend bye